Welcome to the Gospel Journey Podcast. The Gospel Journey exists to help our people get into discipling relationships that are centered on God's Word and led by His Spirit. Today, we are in week four of Path 8, the book of Hebrews. My name is Jamie Trussell, and I'm again joined by one of our elders and executive pastor, Bill Garner. Bill, grateful you could be with us again. Happy to be here, Jamie. So we ended last week talking about or, or, or beginning to introduce the idea through chapters 5 and 6 of this character, Old Testament character, known as Melchizedek. Now, we learn that he was a priest, and we learn that there's a priesthood, and this is impactful to the overarching theme of Hebrews because, again, exhorting a group of people that Jesus is best, don't depart from Christianity to return to, in their context, Judaism, and one of the reasons why that doesn't even make logical sense is is how he's arguing now is saying, if you leave Christ and return to Judaism, you're actually leaving a greater priest for a lesser priest, and his argument is going to be because the Melchizedekian, and just bear with us, priesthood is superior to the Levitical priesthood. Yes, that's correct, Jamie, and and, and again, uh, what he's encouraging uh the listeners, the readers to do is to continue in their faith and their following of Jesus Christ because of the superiority that he offers, not just in terms of uh, the priesthood, but in terms of a uh, final atonement for their sin and offering that he gives of himself for their sins. That's right. And so far, here's what he said, saying Jesus is superior to angels. Jesus is superior to Moses. And now he's saying Jesus is superior to the Levitical priest. And to do that, we encounter this man known as Melchizedek that we meet for the first time in Genesis chapter 14. Now, Bill, I think it would be fair for us to say at the front end, uh, while we can know some things about Melchizedek, there's some mystery that surrounds this. There's quite a bit of mystery. Uh, He appears out of nowhere uh, in Genesis chapter 14. Uh, to Abraham, uh, Abraham, one of the patriarchs, uh, the father of our faith, and uh, Abraham is coming back from a battle where he has uh, done battle with, uh, uh, I think, three kings, mm. and uh, has uh, walked away with the spoils of battle, and in that uh, encounter with Melchizedek, he uh, receives a blessing and also, at the same time, offers up uh, a tenth or a tithe from his spoils to Melchizedek. Yeah, which uh, is pretty rare. I mean, so far, Moses may be the most powerful, or not Moses, Abraham. I met Moses yet. Uh, Abraham, I mean, I've met him personally, but and Bill, you went to school with him. Moses, hey, right? Lou. Yeah. Uh, but Abraham, uh, tithing or uh to or 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 blessing um, Melchizedek here in this passage is pretty peculiar at this point. It's it's in fact I'd say fairly unexpected, unprecedented. Yeah, it would be another good word for it. Never uh, happened. Yeah, and in doing that, we start to see that Abraham is is understanding. Uh, there's something unique about this guy. Evidently, and uh, it, it, it seems from what we have in the Scripture, and, and what I said before, we don't have uh, every thought, every every uh, um, moment of the entire experience is captured in, in this, uh, this chapter. 
But what appears to happen is is that Moses uh, that Abraham I got you on Moses. He, he did. Yeah. Um, thank you. Moses but, comes later. But yes, he does a lot later. But Abraham in this passage, um, he somehow recognizes that uh, that this man is of God. That's right, and that's what the text tells us. So we get we get again some things about Melchizedek here, and, and the uh, one of the things Genesis fourteen tells us is that he was a priest of the Most High God, and further of that, he was king of Salem, which could be translated or is translated king of peace. Yes. And so king of Salem, which could even be the modern day uh, uh, location, Jerusalem, that we know. Uh, symbolically. Symbolically, at least. King of peace, which is uh, we know Christ to be, bringing the ultimate peace between God and man. And that he is in existence before the Levitical priesthood. So in all these ways, we're seeing that this is a very unique figure, this early on in the Old Testament. Right, very unique and uh, uh, and, and seemingly uh, superior to Abraham or a greater person exactly. than, exactly than right. Abraham. That's exactly right. And again, to the earlier point, we see that because Abraham pays tithe to him so so three and and also is blessed by him and is blessed by him so three uh i think really general ways basic ways we can see how the how melchizedek as a priest is superior to the levites as priest okay first is they come before that's a big deal in the bible that the order of things uh can oftentimes show a preeminence of things. Yes. So, for example, Jesus is ultimately preeminent above all of creation. Why? Because he was God and he existed before creation. Uh, we even see the ways uh, that we understand how male and female interact and relate to each other as equal in essence and value, but differencing in role and function is in order of creation. It's an argument Paul makes. Same with birth order. Same birth order in the Old Testament where, yeah, the firstborn son uh, received the promise and blessing from the father. And so, yeah, the order of things is important as we consider the literature of the Old Testament. And so Melchizedek as a priest comes first. Secondly, if you go to Psalm, uh, Psalm 110, it says this in verse 4, that the Lord is sworn, will not change his mind. You are a, watch this, priest in the order of Melchizedek. Okay, that there is some way a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, that there is a unending nature to the uh, Melchizedekian priesthood that was not true of the Levitical priesthood. Right, uh, and and I guess, again, I think that that, that priesthood was established by God. Yep. Uh, we don't know uh, the time timing of that. Uh, for all we know, it's, it has existed with God in eternity. We don't know. Uh, there's a lot of mystery here in in terms of uh, the order of the priesthood and who this person actually is, uh, and I'm okay with with mystery, Jamie. Uh, there's there's quite a bit we don't know. I think the Bible tells us that uh, in Deuteronomy 29:29 29 says the secret things belong to God. Yep. We're also told uh, by the prophets that there are that, that, that God's ways are different than our ways. That's right. And so the mystery is something we have to embrace as a Christian. We have this. We have the Word of God. The Word of God is gives us everything we need to know about God. 
but it doesn't tell us everything there is to know about God. And some things we just have to say, uh, there's mystery here. What we have we can is given to us for a reason. That's right. And we're looking at this passage going, this, this Melchizedek is a person of honor, the priest who is established by God forever and is a greater priesthood than the Levitical priesthood. Perhaps even the Levitical priesthood, uh, the, 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 uh, I guess in understanding it, uh, the Levitical priest had to offer sins for themselves because they, they were sinners. We yep. know nothing about this Melchizedekian priesthood other than that Christ himself is in that order. He's in that order, which you, you go back to what you know, lots we can't know, some things we can know, and part of what we can know being that this this particular priestly order uh, is forever. It's, forever. It's, it, that's, that's a comforting thought. It is. Because if I'm just operating off the Levitical priesthood, uh, if that's just temporary in nature, I'm not actually assured that I have someone who can continually, in an unending way, stand between me and God. Right. Well, you know, the last podcast that, that, that we did, we talked about the Levitical priests were physical represent, representatives of uh, humanity, that they actually represent us in, in a certain way. And we understand through reading the book of Hebrews that what they offered, the blood of bulls and goats, and didn't, didn't that, that was not what uh, atoned for our sins. Mm. It pointed towards something else, and it gave us something as humans that we can understand that points to something greater. I think that what the greater is is this priesthood of Christ and who he is, and he He offers up himself as our sin for us. That's right. That's right. Yeah, superior, literally superior in every single way. Uh, superior in that it comes first, superior in that it lasts forever, and we see the practicality of the superiority of Christ's priesthood through, again, Abraham paying tithe yes. to Melchizedek here. And Paul would make the argument that since Levi was a descendant of Abraham, when Abraham paid a tithe to Melchizedek, it was the same thing as Levi paying a tithe to Melchizedek. So Levi himself, the Levitical priesthood itself, was subjected underneath this greater priesthood of Melchizedek. That's correct, Jamie. Um, okay, so good, fine, and great. Uh, we've put a little bit of framework on a difficult, mysterious Old Testament character. Uh, it's at these times, though, Bill, that I love to drill down a little bit, like, so what? I mean, maybe in your gospel journey group, you walk away with a little, little better understanding of Christ being a priest in the order of Melchizedek. But what, if any... Uh, and I say that is a little bit leading because I think there are certainly some, but tangible impacts on my daily walk of Christ come from the fact that that Jesus is the greatest and greater high priest. Well, the impact I think for all of us is is that uh, that He's enough, mm. and so I don't have to add to that. I don't have to go back into. Uh, 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 trying to do a weekly sacrifice for my sins That's right. or the sins of someone else. But I can say that the, the, the overall implication for me is, is that my sins have been atoned for once and for all, finally and fully, in the finished work of Christ on the cross. And because of his resurrection, God validated uh, the work that he had done, that that wrath that God had 
toward our sin has been completely satisfied in the one-time atonement and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which is superior to all of the sacrifices the Levitical priests could offer, which were continually being done, weekly being done, annually being done, and had had to be... Uh, sustained in order to point toward that forgiveness, but it's all complete yep. in Christ. That's the implication I think we have. Yeah, that's 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 great. And there's a sense of peace and rest that can come in that. There is rest in that because Jesus, as being the greatest, and look to dip back in a little bit. There's a difference in being a priest and a high priest as it relates in the Old Testament. Now, the high priest was the only one permitted once a year to go into the holy of holies and interact with the presence of God interceding on behalf of the people. And they would even tie a rope around him because if he didn't go through the right protocol and if he wasn't clean himself, he would die. They'd drag him out. And they would drag him out. Now, when Jesus is on the cross and and he breathes his last, God tears that curtain because for the first time, the ultimate high priest went into that place and gives us full unending access to God himself through the person of his son. And we can trust in that and trust that nothing else ever has to be done for us to have that continued access because A, God tears the curtain, and because B, Jesus is the greater high priest through which that access now comes. Yeah, exactly. We have that access. I think the scriptures even say it's face-to-face access uh, boldly because of what it says, let us now approach the throne of grace uh, to receive mercy boldness right. not arrogance but boldness because confidence. it's com- confidence because that, of who jesus is and not in what we've done but what he's done and that he has fully atoned for past present and future sins in our life yes one sacrifice for all and let's drill it down a little bit more uh there are lots of ways so so i'm not going to go home today Lord willing, don't think I will, and bring my family to our back deck and sacrifice a goat to add. If you do, ask me over. <laughs> so we know we're not we're not tempted, I would guess, mostly, to return to Old Testament forms of sacrifice and worship. Right. That doesn't mean we're not tempted to try to add to the work of Jesus in other ways. And that's where we can miss if we just you know, look at the Old Testament context, we can miss how we actually do the same errors in our own lives in 2018. So any day where I feel like I have less of God's affection and love or my salvation or relationship with God is hampered because of any of my performance, in a sense, that's departing from the essence of the gospel and returning to a different form of worship. Yeah, and I think when I misunderstood um God's grace as a young believer maybe I felt like that there was a a scale and you know when I did bad things I had to balance those things with good things yep. in my own life you know maybe uh, make sure I met, made church Wednesday Sunday night and Sunday morning that week to to, to rectify or yep. repent or show penance for my sins right. and that's not it at all understanding God's love for us that he he fully loves us right now completely loves us uh, more than we'll ever know based on his unconditional love and his unconditional pardon and mercy and grace he gives us through Jesus Christ, not based on anything that we do or can do. Right. And and that's the part I think that it's hard for us because in the Old Testament we see them working, you know, to you know, they they have to go get uh, a, a, an animal from the herd, a pristine animal, 
They have to prepare the animal. They have to prepare the sacrifice. They have to bring it and do all those things. So there's, it appears there's some type of work involved in that whole atonement. But it's not. It, all those things pointed toward that there was a sacrifice. Something gave its life for my sins. Yep. And all we have to do is go back and recognize what Christ has done for us. I can't do anything for myself. We are in place. We have nothing to offer. He's done it for us. But there's a tendency on our part. You know, one one uh, one uh, mentor in my life years ago said uh, that we're like living sacrifices ourselves. So we, we, uh, we're living it sacrifices. It was your mentor, Paul? Uh, Paul said that, as a matter yeah, of fact. Yeah, I was curious. Yeah, Paul and, si- Paul and Silas, you know. Yeah. It, was, it was great in those days. But he said the living sacrifice, the problem with the living sacrifices is they keep crawling off the altar. And, and I think that's what we forget. In other words, we forget who we are sometimes in Christ, and we substitute our own shortcuts and systems to, to replace just that grace that he gives us freely. Yeah, and it's a, it's a worthwhile question to kick around in our groups and and to be honest, if we're willing to go, hey, hey, in what ways do I keep trying to add to what my great high priest Jesus has already completed? Um, because it's tempting to all of us to try to add to that or think we need to. Like you're saying, you want to go to church more that week or that that's adding Read my Bible more. Read your Bible more. Pray scripture. more. Yeah. yeah. Give a little more. Give a little more. Well, you know, <clears throat> y'all are all welcome to give a little more. Uh <laughs> But yeah, and and honestly, we can kind of feel like that's pious, good religious work at times. Self-righteousness. And on top of that, uh, ironically, we're trying to take control. Take control or take credit, and uh, we substitute what Christ has done for us with our own mechanisms, and they don't work, and they never do, and they don't bring any peace. They don't. Remove any of the stain. They don't. I was meeting with a guy recently. Uh and his primary struggle, which I so appreciate his honesty and could and could honestly, I, I could sympathize with it because I've experienced the same thing. He just can't quite receive God's grace. Like the fact that it comes flowing freely, not that it didn't cost something, it obviously cost something, but that it froze flee- freely towards us, that God would actually forgive us without demanding anything of us. It was too one. It, it was so irrational to his mind. He was just having trouble believing it and receiving it and living in the freedom of it. Yeah, and I think if we're all honest with ourselves, it's a struggle that we we go through. Occasionally, it it rears its head, especially when we when we uh, have done something grievous or uh, something really uh, significantly wrong. Uh, we 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 go through a time of how can God really forgive us of that? How does He love me? And He does. He He loves us in spite of those things. But there's nothing we can do to atone for our sins. Uh, and and it's hard to. It's difficult for us to understand uh, grace and the freeness of God's gift. Uh, it's. Uh, I always go back to Ephesians. Uh, 2 8 and 9 that it's something that's not a result of our works this grace that god gives us is not a result of our works yep. it's not of a result of our repentance it's not a result those things repentance comes into it but those are all gifts that god gives us um, so the whole heaven is a free gift it's not earned or earned or deserved is a reality it's hard to live in because we want to uh we say do. that we, we did something to earn it well and honestly we reinf- we don't it's hard relationally to 
to interact with each other in the same way Jesus does us. And so, look, at some level, as shameful as it is, even in my marriage or friendships or something, it's hard for me to purely offer grace, mercy, and love without the expectation of getting something in return or being disappointed if I don't get something in return. It's like even my motive, as pure as I may want it to be, there's always something there that says, gosh, I don't know how to actually just offer something as free without an expectation of it changing a performance in response to that. And so it's hard for me to receive something from God that I have a hard time giving other people. Exactly. Uh, And that's what's the amazing thing about grace. Uh, Grace is something that is not fair. It's not fair. We have a sense of fairness in us when somebody offends us or acts egregiously toward us, we want justice, or we want, we want fairness. And uh, the exchange that, we, that God uh, has with us is he gives us grace. We give him nothing. We gave him nothing for that. That's right. He gave it to us freely. We have to embrace, accept it, and embrace it through faith. And that faith factor is a really important. That is the important key toward receiving the grace that God gives us. Yeah, by grace through faith is trusting that that this is enough. That God's sacrifice was enough. There's nothing else I need to add to that. Right. And we have to just believe He'll do what He says He'll do. He will do what He says that He will do. Now, should it change the way we live? It will change the way you live. Should we respond? Well, of course. It's yeah. not. You know, uh, the Christian that would profess to believe in Christ, be changed by Christ, and nothing change in them, Paul would call that salvation into question in Romans chapter 6. He would. So we're not saying the grace of God doesn't catalyze differences in your life. It is saying that the differences in our life aren't necessary to keep earning grace and affection and salvation from God. Exactly. And look, that just in this human life, it can be a difficult road to try to navigate sometimes. It's very difficult. And I think that with us, again, one of the reminders for us in the book of Hebrews is, is that we need to persevere in this growth, persevere in our walk with Christ through faith, grow in that uh, walk with Christ, grow in the knowledge of Christ, grow in your experiences with Christ, but persevere those things, uh, persevere in those things, and let God and trust the process that God's going to bring you to completion. You sound like the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers. How's that? Oh, trust, the right. trust the process. Trust the process. Well, they didn't make it this year. They didn't make it. No, nope. probably trust won't the process, make it anytime though. soon. Different process. Uh, neither will the Grizzlies make anything anytime soon. Uh, hey, I think that it's good to end this section. I'm just going to read verses 25 through 28 because they, uh, in God's inspired word, articulate the greatness of Christ as a high priest, the the completion of his work as our high priest, and how that is an unending and applied to us forever. It's a really comforting uh, passage here. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost. And, and that idea of uttermost, it uh, most likely is a time reference. It is, it's unending. Yes. It's, it's an unending deal for us. So we don't have to ever worry that Christ is going to stop being our ultimate high priest, interceding on our behalf. Start to finish. That's right. Um, So, to the uttermost, those who draw near to God through him. There's no other way to draw near to God except through Jesus. Since he always lives 
to make intercession for them. The resurrected Christ still lives uh, and, and will continue to do so. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, speaking of us as believers, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Uh, Bill, none of that's true of the Levitical priesthood. None. Only true of Jesus. He, speaking of Jesus, has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men, speaking of the Levitical priest, men in their weakness as high priest. But the word of oath, this new covenant, this promise of God, which later, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. And that son has been made perfect forever is the one that intercedes in an unending nature on our behalf. That's a really comforting thought for us as believers. Yes. Now, I was looking, Jamie, the later than the law, I think, means older than the law that, that existed prior to the law. Uh, this uh, Melchizedekian priesthood is what that's referring to. But, of course, great, great words, Jamie. Thank you. Those are the author of Hebrews. But that closes us down here on week four, chapter seven of Hebrews. We look forward to you joining us next week for week five. Thank you.